Welcome in to the newest edition of the Just In Time Sports Podcast. I am your host, Justin Jackson. And in this week's episode, we'll be talking about the NBA, what's going down there. We'll be touching on the NFL as it roars towards its new season. And we will have our best for last. Now, as always, don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe to the Just In Time Sports Podcast on iTunes and Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And also, do not forget to follow and turn on the post notifications for the Justin Time Sports social media, as that is where you will get all of your breaking news and updates in one source. Now, as always, don't forget to sit back and get ready to learn something. Welcome into the show. It has been far too long since we have last talked. Uh, the last time we talked, it was what the day of Kevin Durant's um trade request, which I believe is three or four weeks old now. It has been too long since the last time we have talked. Uh, I took a little vacation, I'll probably take another one in the upcoming weeks, getting ready to go basically weekly. Uh, during the football season, but we will definitely uh, put out a firmer schedule. I'll definitely tell you rather a firmer schedule um, in our next episode. I don't have that for you right this second, but of course we will have that for you in our next episode, how we plan on going during the football season. Um, At the moment, the plan is weekly. Things change, life change. But as of right now, uh, the plan is to go, just like we did last football season, go weekly. Um, So starting week one, all the way through the Super Bowl, the plan would be to go weekly. Um, I'm coaching football myself, so that's why I say I'm not sure if the plan will hold to that. Uh, we'll, again, we'll see how life goes, but as of right this second, the plan, uh, of course, is to go weekly. But now that we have the housekeeping out of the way, now that we have the I miss you's out of the way, which I do, I have missed all of you guys. Um, now let's get into the nitty gritty. Let's get to why you're here. You're here to get my opinion. You're here to learn some stuff. And you are here in all honesty to get a fairly, in my opinion, unbiased look at the sports world. First, we're going to start off with the biggest news of, well, my last episode, which again, it was about a month ago-ish ago. And we're going to update a situation on that, Kevin Durant. And the update is, well, there is no update. Uh, the biggest update actually came this morning, um, which was the Boston Celtics formally entered the race. So it was, as we knew, it was for the longest for the past up until this morning um, was it was Phoenix and Miami where the choices Kevin Durant had put out. Other teams had inquired. Um, a lot of stuff was linking the Pelicans to it due to the Brandon Ingram chip. Uh, But David Griffin, if anybody bothered to listen to David Griffin actually use his mouth, he's been fairly truthful so far in New Orleans, as far as I can tell. He was that way in Cleveland, as far as I could tell. 
when he publicly says something, he publicly says something. And what he said during Zion's introduction, his press conference signing his uh, max extension was the fact that they were not planning on doing any other major moves. Um, and one of those major moves, of course, would, a major move would be trading your max player, Brandon Ingram, for Kevin Durant. That's a major move. And he said at the press conference that they liked the 15 guys they had and they weren't planning on doing anything else major now minor pickup here and there add a shooter lose a shooter add a defender lose a defender kind of thing uh players 10 through 15 may be you know available to be moved around or whatever but his core zion brandon ingram cj mccullum i didn't expect to be moved now jones valanchunas is movable in my opinion um dyson daniels i doubt he was just signing his contract number eight overall pick i doubt he's moved um E.J. Liddell is not injured, but, you know, the, the, I, I never really got the Pelicans angle in that long term. Like I guess especially once David Griffin said in his interview uh, that he would uh, not be making any major moves in regards to the roster. They like what they had. So to me, that either says that he poked around at the Kevin Durant trade and Brooklyn basically said, you give me one of the two or we're not making this deal. Or he truly is locking in on building a sustained success future, which is what he said from Jump Street. He didn't like how they built things in Cleveland. Um, he said it was unsustainable, which ultimately it was. Cleveland had to push a reset button as soon as that era was over. Um, instead of having an ability, they basically had to reset for three years in order to overcome four years. They had to, you know what I'm saying? LeBron left in 2016. The Cavs became viable last season. So a, a five year reset for a four year run. Um, which is something I believe Griff does not want to do. Um, Zion Williamson is not 25. Brandon Ingram is not 25. And in theory, those guys could play together seriously for a decade. Um, and so then if after that decade, they're in their mid-30s, even then you could probably put another couple of years out of them, let's say a decade reasonably, um, and then you reset two, three, four years, that's different than resetting for five years or four years. So I believe he wants to do a sustainable build. Having a Kevin Durant accelerates your clock in terms of you lose truly six years off a 10 year window and you go into a more painful bill later in life uh, because you're going to have to give up draft compensation and um, draft compensation and other assets, uh, young assets in order to go for the throat right now. So that is something I believe the Pelicans will not do. So that rules the Pelicans out. So like I said, pretty much it was Heat and Suns and they were trying to figure out how to get done. The Suns kind of took themselves out with the DeAndre Aiden fiasco. They allowed Indiana to consign Aiden to an offer sheet and within three minutes match the offer sheet. Um, so then that made DeAndre Aiden untradeable until January 15th. And in the same offseason, they gave Devin Booker his designated rookie max extension, which makes him in, makes him and Ben Simmons ineligible to play on the same basketball team because you cannot have two traded designated rookie max extensions on the same team. So if Ben were to get traded to Phoenix, it's fine. As far as I know, it's fine. But Booker cannot go to Brooklyn because him and Ben Simmons would both have, have had their designated rookie maxes traded. Um which is a little known clause in the CBA that up until this offseason never mattered. I see a lot of fans clamoring about, oh, this is a dumb rule. Yeah, up until the whole NBA wants to force their way out using young, talented players, 
the rule never mattered. Um, and it's designed to basically prevent this. Um, and in Miami, that's a trick too. If, I, if I'm the Nets, I want either Bam or Jimmy Butler back for, for Kevin Durant. So you're not trading me Jimmy Butler, in theory. Bam Adebayo and Ben Simmons can't play on the same basketball team because Bam Adebayo is also on a designated rookie max extension, which is pretty much what would rule a Zion Williamson trade out for the Pelicans because, again, him and Ben Simmons are both playing on designated rookie max extensions. Um, so that makes it all the more complicated. So this morning, news breaks. Boston not only is in the race, not only is rumored, they offered. Um, and it was the first offer we got tangible. I'd heard reports that half the league had offered, that Miami had placed an offer in, Phoenix had placed an offer in pre Aiden. Um, that situation, which we'll talk about the Aiden's uh, offer sheet in a, in a minute. Um, but that situation, I'd heard the Lakers had poked around for Kyrie or just Kevin or both. Um, you know, I'd heard a plethora of things about people poking their heads around, but this is the first offer we got, offer and negotiation really we got tangible proof on so the initial offer from the boston celtics camp was jalen brown Derek white and a pick uh i assume it's 2023 unprotected or 2024 unprotected whatever for kevin durant now you're thinking in your head rudy gobert netted four players and five four first or five first and i believe a swap or two from the Minnesota Timberwolves for Gobert and Kevin Durant's gonna go for two players and one pick. But let's add context. The best player in the draft in the compensation Minnesota gave up is either Patrick Beverly or Walker Kessler. And Walker Kessler was drafted two months ago. Uh, so that's pretty much the best player in the draft. Jalen Brown is considerably better than every other player in the Minnesota Timberwolves draft. Derek White is better than every player currently in that thing. So the two best players would be in the Boston trade. But Minnesota offloaded, what, five picks? Boston only offer one, offload one. But again, you wouldn't have to wait on the pick because Jalen Brown is a legitimate scorer and he's a defender. You'd have Ben Simmons. You have your starting point guard in Derek White. You're starting two. Or you have Ben Simmons, Derek White. Nick Claxton, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, Jalen Brown, Patty Mills. It's not a bad team. Are you winning anything? Hell no. But you get a guy like Jalen Brown, two years left on his contract. By trading him, you'd have his full bird rights. He extended someone for the max. You've got your two max guys. You've got Ben Simmons and Jalen Brown. Is it a top five duo in the NBA? Off the top of my head? No. Will it make you viable for years to come if their heads are on straight? Absolutely. Boston instead counters. Yes, we like Jalen Brown. Yeah, we like Derek White. Sure, the pick's not bad. But we also want Marcus Smart, potentially another player. Uh, the, the player was not named. That could be a Grant Williams. I doubt it's Robert Williams. I'm pretty sure Boston handled the phone. It's Robert Williams. But it could be a Grant Williams. It could be a Romeo Lankford. Um, it could be you know another player on the Boston team. Probably, if I had to guess, it's one of those two. I don't think they have Evan Fournier anymore. So, if I had to guess, it's Grant Williams um, and additional draft compensation. Now, that's where, to me, it gets tricky. What is the additional draft compensation? I don't care Marcus Smart. But if I'm the Celtics, take Marcus Smart. Defensive player of the year, sure. 
very large reason we lost the NBA Finals. Take Marcus Smart. The additional player, I'm again, I'm thinking it's Grant Williams. I don't think the Celtics would entertain a Rob Williams trade. I wouldn't. Uh, Tom Lord is going to be a Celtic until further notice. I wouldn't entertain a uh, Robert Williams trade, but I'm not the GM. I'm not Brad, I'm not Brad Stevens. Um, to, to me, a healthy Robert Williams, the Celtics win the title. But again, I'm not, I'm not Brad Stevens. I think to me it's Grant Williams. Take Grant Williams. The issue I have is the draft picks. How far out are they? If we're talking 2027, 2029, I don't do the deal. But Justin, what do you mean? Those picks are five and seven years away. Exactly. Kevin Ray is 34 years old and has a four-year contract. He probably retires after this contract or nearly around the end of this contract. That means the pick wouldn't kick in until after Kevin Ray is no longer playing basketball on my team. If he ups and retires, you don't just replace Kevin Ray. Even a 38-year-old Kevin Ray, I imagine is a top 10 player in the NBA. You don't just replace a top 10, 15 player in the NBA, presto changeo that often especially when tatum's already there so that's what i'm saying i believe that um if the picks are five and seven years out you can't risk it if the picks 2023 and 2025 with swaps in 24 and 26 go for it because then you'll be done owing them picks you'll be done owing the next picks before uh kevin durant contract expires um, so that will be huge in terms of how the picks are labeled. If it's way out in the future, I can't do it if I'm Boston because I'm not going to owe you picks for a player I don't have anymore. However, if those picks fall, if the last pick is in 2027, I risk it. If the latest pick is the year after the deal expires, all right, I'm good. But three years after the deal expires is a very hard pill to swallow um because again you may owe a guy you may owe maybe giving up top five picks because you don't have kd anymore um and the nets own your draft while they've rebuilt um so that's a hard thing to do if i'm the celtics uh if the longest the picks are 2027 or earlier i'm good if it's anything later than 2027 i'm out this is too risky in terms of not having kevin durant and not having my future um that's a hard pill to swallow if you're boston um, Kevin Durant for the second time in his career will be joining a team that just beat him in the playoffs. That ain't a great looks. Came back from th- got come back on from three one down with the Warriors joins them. And don't kid yourself, he'll have to approve this. So approving a trade going to the team that just swept him in Boston, not a good look. Um, but hey, that is the Kevin Durant that we have come to know and mostly love. He's very mercurial, although he joined TikTok and it was kind of funny. Um, go check out his TikTok videos. Pretty, pretty hilarious. Next on the potential trade rumors, the potential trade block is Donovan Mitchell. So last time we spoke, um, Mitchell was untouchable according to Utah Jazz management. Since that point, okay, okay, wait, wait, back up. When that was said, no one believed it. But since that point, um, he has been openly made available by the organization as someone in the organization told uh, Asian Warzanowski, uh, Sham Sharanya and others were all over it 
that Donovan Mitchell is available in trade talks. It lasted about three days. Um, I've said repeatedly, I don't believe Mitchell's traded, and I believe that the All-Star game being in Utah is a major is a major reason why. Because they need a master of ceremonies in Utah. And that's why I was saying I believe that the Utah Jazz will not trade him due to that purpose, mostly. I believe the NBA may get into the owner's ear like, hey, it's in Salt Lake City. You pretty much got this game because at the time you we awarded to, you had two regular All-Stars. Now you only got one. Yeah, going to zero is not going to be a good look in getting All-Star game in Salt Lake City anytime soon. Um, and so that is a consideration um, for the NBA and for the Utah Jazz for trading for Donovan, trading Donovan Mitchell. Now, of course, of course, anything is possible. The main thing that is possible, however, is the New York Knicks acquire Donovan Mitchell. Now, lately, the reports have been coming out that the Jazz won six first-round picks. The only person to have that, maybe there's two teams, maybe, with six tradable first-round picks, but definitely the main one who has the most tradable first-round picks is the New York Knicks. I believe they have eight tradable first-round picks. According to the Knicks, they want six. I mean, going to the Jazz, in the media, they want six. So that would net them in two trades, four players, or four or five players, and 11-ish first-round draft picks. That would be a haul um, and an ultimate reset button to have 11 first-round picks um, at your disposal, along with your own picks. So you're going to be bad anyway without Mitchell and Gobert. And so now you add in 11 first-round picks of other people plus um, your own first-round picks. The Utah Jazz would be in great position to rebuild. But that pretty much, to me, the asking price of six firsts Pretty much is saying, okay, um, okay, New York, you want Donovan Mitchell? What's the, you know, give me the price of Donovan Mitchell, which is six first round picks. Because one thing, and I've listened to guys say this, one thing the New York Knicks cannot do, Leon Rose and, and World Wide West, they cannot lose the Donovan Mitchell sweepstakes. And the reports come out that they were outbid, that some team gave up four first round picks and the Knicks wouldn't go higher than three, or something like that, where they were outbid by a team. Because they've been setting up a Donovan Mitchell move for two years now. Their president, their leader of basketball operations, a former CAA uh, lead guy, Donovan Mitchell was his CAA client. Donovan Mitchell's dad worked for the New York Mets. Um, Donovan Mitchell has a relationship with World Wide West and Leon Rose, one as an agent and his son um, is an agent as well involved in CAA. And then I forgot what the other connection was, but there's a tons of connections through the New York Knicks and Donovan Mitchell. He has been their plan from the word go. And so now that is on the table now for the Knicks. To me, that is where he ends up. Miami, they don't have enough tradable assets. The Jazz seem to be very, very pertinent um, and thinking of it as important to not take back long-term salary. So if they were to get into, hey, I've seen some of them where they move Mitch and then tr tr trade for Russ. And in turn, they'll give up like um, maybe a shooter or two and a first round pick or whatever. But they'll give up something in, in the Russ trade. And then they will in turn either buy Russ out or let Russ play for a year on the $47 million. Uh, but they do not want to take long-term salary back, which is why Miami could be a problem. Because Tyler Hero is going to be on, on a long-term deal. Duncan Robinson's on a longer-term deal. So that is two of the players you would definitely include 
but you can't do it. Um, Utah doesn't want the long-term salary back, and you only have, I believe Miami has three tradable firsts, not the six tradable firsts that was the asking price um, for the Utah Jazz, which I believe to me, again, was to um, discuss that with the New York Knicks, which is why they went for six, because only two teams have six, and the Knicks have the most with eight tradable first-round picks. So a little contractual news. We're going to start off with a deal that was done and start off with a deal that was almost done. So James Harden officially signed his uh, contract extension with the Philadelphia 76ers. Two years, $68 million uh, with the player option on the second year. He takes a 13-ish million dollar pay cut, 14-ish million dollar pay cut um, to sign with the Philadelphia 76ers this year. Um, it is a one plus one, so he will opt out next summer regardless of what happens. And I say that because... If he wasn't, he wouldn't opt it out. But number two, it is designed to get his money back. So either he'll max out with Philly um, or he'll move on and try and get his max from a different organization. Um, I think it's a little risky, but hey, it's, it's the NBA. I've seen worse deals signed. Insert Michael Porter Jr., Timothy Mosgoff, and Lou Waldang here. But um, so that deal is done. And, and he spoke with Chris Haynes. And basically, it's told, according to Harden, he told Daryl Morey, look, I'm going to opt out, free up the cap, sign who you can sign, improve the team, give me what's left. Um, and so with the $14 million that Harden gave up, uh, they were able to sign P.J. Tucker to a three-year deal, which P.J. Tucker has a, a third-year player option at age 40. Um, so kudos to him for negotiating that. And then Daniel House, is coming into the Philadelphia 76ers as well. What do both of those signings have in common? They um, they have James Harden connections. Daniel House played with Harden in Houston uh, during the bubble when before House got kicked out for improper activity in the bubble. And then PJ Tucker, not only is one of James Harden's best teammates, he's one of James Harden's literal best friends. So they both have Harden connections. Daryl Morey. Having Houston connections again, again, Daniel House, P.J. Tucker, um, helping out his, the guy who he who he says made him in the NBA, James Harden, um, helping him out, still finding a way to get Harden $33 million, uh, for this season. So instead of the 47 large he was due to make, he would get 33 and the team got a little bit better with P.J. Tucker and Daniel House. Now, remember we said we were going to talk about that Aiden contract. So the Aiden offer sheet from Indiana was very, well, basic. I was about to say interesting, but it was interestingly basic or basically interesting. Um, and the reason why is when a team signs a player to an offer sheet, first of all, Indiana hates offer sheets. The last offer sheet they offered, they signed a guy to before DeAndre Aiden was for, I think, for league minimum or right around league minimum. And it was like 40 years ago. They hate offer sheets. They do not believe in them. They do not like them. They it's just they something they do not do. The offer sheet they gave to DeAndre Aiden read like a team who did not like offer sheets. And I don't know if the person who just signed who did the offer sheet deal assumed Phoenix wasn't gonna match, or they assumed that um, you know, whatever they were trying to tie Phoenix's hands. I don't know what the assumption. I don't know how they did it. Maybe they didn't know a lot of the rules for the um offer sheet i don't know but it was a straight four year max it was no balloon payments it was no player options like when a team wants to keep a guy when a team wants to keep a team from matching 
their offer sheet. They do all kind of crazy stuff in it. They change the payment schedules. They make balloon payments randomly in the middle. They have options on the second, on, this, on the third and fourth year. Like, they'll do anything. And that was also the largest offer sheet ever offered and signed. But they'll just finagle the contract in order to say to have the team who is have the match option and be like i can't touch this deal like i said balloon payments player options changing the payment schedule front loading it back loading it throwing in incentives like all kind of things in order to make the contract less desirable to match because certain teams operate on certain terms and their contract value regardless of sport um they just have a certain way to do contracts. So we throw a whole bunch of crazy stuff in the deal. A team may say, forget it. It's not worth it. Not doing it our way and let the guy walk. Uh, but Indiana offered a straight four-year max. They made it really easy for the Suns to match it. And that's what they did. Um, so very interesting decision by Indiana to really not work that hard um, to try and finagle DeAndre Aiden's contract. Speaking of Indiana, they are involved in the Russell Westbrook uh, situation they're they're trying to extract the second first round the second tradable first round pick for the lakers which would be the 2029 pick uh and i believe it's from what i'm reading they would send miles turner and buddy hill to la for russell westbrook's expiring contract and the two first round picks look i'm not a guy who would just flat out say do it but acquiring two players miles turner is a Top 10 NBA center. Buddy Hield is a pretty good player for Russell Westbrook, who you know doesn't fit for just a couple of basic couple of first round picks. You've got to make this deal. If you're the Lakers, you have to figure out a way to make this deal happen. The 2029 first round pick is what it is. Trade it. I mean, it's not like you don't have picks. That's the benefit of the stipend rule which is the rule that you can't trade consecutive first round picks. You have your own pick in, well, I think you owe the Pelicans one more pick and then a swap, right? But like you have your own picks in 2028, 2030, I believe in 2026 as well. You have your own picks. You just want to have a 277 and 2029. Trade the damn pick. Like, I don't know what's so difficult about this. Just trade the pick. You get Buddy Heald and Miles Turner. Guess what? Two starters. That way, on your on your starting lineup, you would run LeBron, Buddy Hill, Miles Turner, Anthony Davis. Insert fifth here. Um, you, you lost Malik Monk. Maybe Austin Reeves starts. I don't know. I mean, it's not, it's not a great lineup either way. But you would have Miles Turner, who's a legit player, protecting Anthony Davis, AD, Buddy Hill, LeBron. And then you would figure it out with, oh, they signed, oh, they signed a guy to want Scott or Anderson may start. Um, you know, I don't know who's going to start for that team, but they have options. If you have those four guys, trade Russell Westbrook under any circumstance. Now we're going to take a really short break and we're going to jump into the second part of the NBA discussion, which is going to be a quick talk about Nick's rights list. It's, his list is for the top. 50 greatest players of the last 50 years. He just revealed number three, and it has sparked all holy hell of controversy.
Welcome back into the show. Uh, first segment ran a little long, which so we broke it up and, and broke out rather Nick's rights list um, in the discussion. So Nick Wright has been releasing weekly, pretty much weekly, his top 50 players of the last 50 years. Um, and he just released number three. Now, there were some things that stood out to me. Um, he has Luca already at number 20 above guys like Kevin Garnett, David Robinson, James Harden, Patrick Ewing, um, just to name a few. He has Bill Walton above Steve Nash. He has Anthony Davis above Dwight Howard. Um, he does not have Tracy McGrady on the list at all, but he has Carmelo Anthony, Bernard King, and Tiny Archibald. Um, he has... Russell Westbrook at 35, but James Harden at 25. I would love to fully grasp how they're 10 people apart. Um, he has pretty, I mean, that's kind of the wildest one. Giannis and KD are 13 and 14. That's going to flip to me by the end of next year. Um, and he has Steph Curry in his top 10. But if this is the last 50 years, so Steph Curry would not be in my top 10 of the last 50 years. Wilt and Bill Russell would move him down. Uh, but again, this is the last 50 years. So guys like Wilt, Bill Russell, Oscar Robinson, uh, Jerry West, Elgin Baylor were not eligible uh, for this list. And the reason he chose 50 years was A, 50 and 50. Sounds nice. Also, the video history of 50 years of the NBA history that was 1972 is a lot more attainable than the 60s and obviously the 50s with George Mikan and etc. So that's why he chose that. But he just revealed number three. It is caused haywire. It has caused hell on this green planet um, from sports minds all over the world. It is at number three is Michael Jeffrey Jordan with the Chicago Bulls. Um, for And the reason why it has caused such outrage is a few reasons. One more one. People older than myself and Nick, right? Jordan is their GOAT. Now, there's Kareem people. There's Jordan There's Jordan people. There's many Jordan people. There's some really, really old guys who tell you Elgin Baylor and Bill Russell. But, um, and, or Wilt. But Jordan and Kareem pretty much has that group. But Jordan mostly. There's guys younger than me. That'll stay Kobe or my age and younger. Our age and younger. I'm a, I'm a little younger than Nick. But in our age bracket and... You know, younger. There's Kobe. There's LeBron. There's Jordan. If you listen to your dad, your uncle, or your older brother. Um, but you know, and then there's you know our age group exactly that has seen Kobe, that's seen LeBron. He's on his side of the age group that's got Jordan in the '90s. On my side of the age group that got all of LeBron. You know, it's so that sort of thing. Um, that is kind of split. Jordan, LeBron, kind of split. Kobe's in there a little bit. Some people throw in Magic. Uh, Kareem's definitely in that group in terms of who people talk about. But it's odd. The ESPN debates have always had, the ESPN undisputed debates really have always had who's better, LeBron or Jordan. That's, that's been the debate. The face of the 90s versus the face of the 2010s. Versus the, you know, it's like who's better, LeBron or Jordan? That, that's the argument. The Kobe is not in there. Kareem is not in there. Magic's not in there. It doesn't matter. Those three. Those two are the two, Jordan and LeBron. So by putting Michael Jordan third, that does two things. One, kind of validates me a little bit, and I'll explain in a minute. And two, 
it opens the door. It smashes those bit those the base of smithereens. Because instead of Jordan versus LeBron, on Nick's list, it's LeBron versus Kareem. Versus now you want to add Jordan, you gotta add a third person. You gotta add Kareem Abdul Jabbar. Now, I know how Nick's list is gonna go and I know how it's gonna finish. LeBron's gonna finish one, Kareem's gonna finish two. Knicks has called LeBron a GOAT for the past three or four years. Um, according to Nick and according to LeBron himself, when he came back from down 3-1, the GOAT debate was over. He'd won. Now, I think LeBron has since said he's chasing the GOATs to 23. So, I don't really know. You know, that kind of waffles back and forth. Um, but according to LeBron on the shop, I think after that quote, he said that when he came back from down 3-1, he, he was the GOAT. Um, and so... Nick has said it for years, pretty much using that same flashpoint. At that moment, LeBron James, the greatest player of all time. Personally, LeBron was my GOAT pretty much around that same point. Um, and then he's only added to the resume since. He's going to finish with 40,000, 10,000, 10,000. He's going to finish the Grottonian score. He's going to finish. And we're not even going to go down and accolade. Let, we might do it in a couple of weeks. And I'm sure Nick's going to do it on his show, um, breaking down that list. But... Why is this not outrageous to me? Because I've always said, well, I've said rather a lot recently, so it's been, I've had this stance for a while now, so I'm going to say I've always said it. I've always said that the top three is inarguable. The people on the top three are inarguable, whether it's the last 50 years or the last 500 years. The people in the top three are inarguable. In whatever order you have them, it's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, LeBron James, and Michael Jordan. It does not matter what, argue, what order you have them. I personally will not argue you if you have Jordan, LeBron, Kareem, or Kareem, LeBron, Jordan, or LeBron, Kareem, Jordan, or Kareem, Jordan, LeBron. Like, I'm not going to argue you whatever combination you want. It's six total combinations. Whatever combination you want of that group, I will not argue you. I'm not. Because those are the top three, and they... Though, to me, the only three with a legitimate GOAT case. The fourth place person, again, same time frame, whether it's 50 years or 500 years, it's Magic Johnson. It will always be Magic Johnson. I'm not going to say it will always be Magic Johnson, but in the debate, until somebody clearly passes Magic, it's Magic Johnson at four. Because Magic Johnson's GOAT case is stopped because he gets HIV in 1991. If he plays four more years and we saw when he came back after like a basically four-year hiatus and was still killing people if he played those four years he amasses more stats he probably runs to another finals or two and he may end up having 11 or 11 finals appearances maybe throws another mvp obviously adds on some counting numbers and he may get tossed in that well you know it's these four that have goat cases order them how you want uh to kind of situation because it's la it's just magic he's the ultimate unselfish person Maybe in free agency, Charles Barkley goes to the Lakers instead of the Suns. Maybe, you know what I'm saying? Maybe Shaq gets to LA before Magic retires. And it's Shaq and Magic, a dominant Shaq and an older Magic. Who knows how the NBA would have gone um, if Magic did not catch HIV and was still running with the Lakers in Showtime. Remember, Pat Riley ends up the coach of the Knicks. When the Knicks make those runs with Mark Jackson and um, John, Lamar Jackson, John Starks, Patrick Ewing, their head coach is the Knicks. 
So, that head coach, sorry, is Pat Riley of the Knicks. So, what if Magic's still playing? Does Pat Riley leave? I don't think so. Why would he? Magic Johnson was guaranteeing you a final trip. I mean, he played 12 years that mattered. Went to the finals nine times. So, there's a lot of different things that Magic Johnson could have done, but Magic's four. But back to the list, the top three is the top three. Now, again, the argument forever has been, or for argument as long as it's been past few years, LeBron versus Michael. It's been a two-person race. Then, then people, you throw, you heard a random person go, well, what about Kareem? And they throw Kareem at three. That argument's a three-person race. The top threes, however you want to have them, Kareem, LeBron, and Mike. Then Magic's four. Nick Wright put Jordan at three. I'm not going to argue about it. Like, I, I, I'm not going to go, oh, my God, Nick Wright, how could you? Got Michael at three. And like he said, it's a 45-minute episode on Michael Jordan amazingness about how he could very well be the GOAT. He's basically saying the same thing I'm saying. He has a GOAT case, a legitimate one. There's three people in NBA history with one. Somebody had to be third. Somebody had to be second. Michael Jordan is the third person. Boo-hoo. Crimea River. Like, we're having this discussion as if, A, it's not an opinion. A pretty solid one. B, it's not true. Again, for in shoe culture, Michael Jordan's one. That's about the only undisputed goat he can be. And you got guys on TV that talk about, oh, Michael Jordan's the undisputed goat. No one can challenge him. That's dumb because it's a three-person race. Somebody has to be third. Nick Wright made Michael Jordan third. Shoot him. I mean, don't literally shoot him, but you sue him. You know, emotional distress. Like, it's, it's the, oh my God, he tainted your goat. No, I'm pretty sure Michael Jordan is not going to stay up at night going, damn, if only I had scored two more thousand points and Nick Wright can make me the goat. Like, it doesn't make, it doesn't hurt anything. It just shows, to me, what Jordan fans accuse LeBron fans of for years. Being super sensitive to their guy. Because if Nick Wright is so wrong, why are you so upset about it? See, to me, when someone is upset about something, it's because it hit a little bit too close to home. It's got a, it's got a, it's got a sliver of truth in it. Draymond Green posted something right after. He said he was watching the 98 NBA Finals and talking about how the Warriors, the 2017 Warriors, I believe he named, would beat the 98 Bulls by a dub or 20 points and beat the Jazz by 40. If they want to play that style of basketball, and that's why it's dumb to compare eras. People were up in arms. The very people that I saw that said, I love Draymond Green's confidence. I love when he talks his trash. He talked about Jordan. No one talked about the jazz slander, which saying that you would have beat Carl Malone and Jayon Stockton by 40. No one talked about the jazz slander. People went straight to the Bulls. You will not have beat Michael Jordan by 20 points. Da -da 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 -da. Draymond Green tripping. I usually love his confidence, but Draymond Green tripping. Man, it's that new, though. It's the new media opinions. It's the exact same thing. Nick Wright puts Jordan third. People are up in arms. Draymond Green says 2017 Warriors would have beat the Bulls by 20. People are up in arms. It's the exact same. Same thing, Jordan fans, that you accuse LeBron fans of. You're doing the exact same thing. And actually, you're being a little hypocritical about it because you slander it and then you do it. It's the same thing. But Nick Wright's list 
It's got some issues with me. But the top three isn't the blasphemous part. It's a three-person race for the Iron Throne to use a Game of Thrones reference, the Iron Throne of the NBA, in terms of being the GOAT. Somebody had to be third. It was Michael Jordan. Tough tits. Listen to the episode. I'm sure it'll help you out, or it might not ease your pain. You may go on a Twitter rant that no one will ever care about. But hey, at least you guys in the top three. But up next, we will be shifting to the NFL and talk about what's going down there. Welcome back into the show. I hope you Jordan fans are not crying into your pillows right now and or covers and or Jordan shoes. Um, Sorry, I mean, it's, it's nothing personal. It's just facts are facts. And we are now moving into the NFL. Where we're just going to hit some quick points really quickly on the NFL. I'll talk about what's going down there. Give you guys an update. Kyler Murray received his contract extension from the Arizona Cardinals that ties him to the organization until 2028. Um, there was some discussion early in the offseason where Kyler rolled out. Then, of course, of course, when there's Kyler, uh, there's rumblings of, well, he'll, the A still owe his rights when he just jumped to the major leagues and go play baseball. That was never going to happen. His body's not even a baseball body anymore. It would probably take him months to train. Probably he'd have to play uh, the rest of the league in the minors to even get ready to go to the majors next season. The A's are spending no money. Um, they that their entire payroll is a little over forty-eight million dollars. Kyler's new contract extension pays him forty-six million dollars a year. The A's twenty-five man roster combined is making forty-six. It's forty-eight. Um, and so he got his money five years, two hundred and thirty point five million. I want to say with a hundred and sixty-ish uh, guaranteed. He, like I said, is locked in through, through the team through twenty thirty-eight. Now, of course, this brought up the baseball, football, financial situation. If Kyler Murray were to have chosen baseball, he if he would have fast-tracked his way up through the majors, if he would have made it out of the minors by now, which you know, he was drafted three years ago, so probably his top prospect, he would have been getting called up right about this year. He would be on his rookie deal, have to play on that four years-ish, then Presumably, if he gets, if he's really, really good, they just get a contract done a la Juan Soto. He's trying to get done with the Nationals. Um, and he gets his deal done, he moves on. Or it's a situation like the Yankees are in with Aaron Judge. You go to arbitration for one or two years, then you get your money. Well, by that point, he's 28, 29, maybe 30 before he gets his big dollar deal if he's a great player. Yes, you see the Juan Solo had an offer $440 million. Yes, you see Bryce Harper. Yes, you see Manny Machado, Fernando Tatis, um, Mike Trout. Shohei Otani is going to get in ridiculous contract when he signs his deal. Um, Aaron Judge's deal is going to be massive. 
Stanton's deal with the Yankees is massive. Clayton Kershaw, you see that. But think about it. I've named nobody on the team has more than two of those deals. Those long-term massive deals. The Padres have uh, Tatis and I uh, can't think of the other guy's name right now. But uh, the Yankees have their two outfielders. Now, Garrett Cole's making a big payday too. But, you know, for the most part, it's two or three of those major contracts. Everybody else on the roster is not making that much money. So if Kyler Murray were to play shortstop, I don't think I've named a shortstop in the entire list. I think he'd, he'd play outfield. And they're not an outfield. He's little. So they might have moved him to the infield. Like, it, it would have been too much of a, of a risk for him to go play baseball. And then at 23, 24 years old, he signed a deal that's going to pay him because at no point would Kyler Murray be not worth this. He will, uh, or at least not worth not having him on the roster. He's going to make $230 million by the time he would have made 15, 16 million. So even then, if he signed, he goes big at 20, 2027, bam, another five-year extension. Probably for that time, $325, $230 million. He would make $550 million in contracts. Pretty much about the, what he would have hoped to hit as a baseball player. And then he would be able to hit it again. Bam. So he better hit it in his late 20s and hit it again in his mid-30s. If he's a normal quarterback these days, that's probably another three-year big money deal. He may make $600 million in contracts. You know, as opposed to in a baseball player, he would make all this lengthy money. If he's amazing, he would make $500 million over 15, 16, 17 years. You see what I'm saying? So financially, it's smarter for him to have gone football. He's going to make 46.1. The 25-man Oakland Athletic roster is going to make 48. He chose correctly going football. That's a common misnomer, especially in my community, the African-American community. Oh, we should have had more baseball players. No, the best money is basketball because an average player can get $100 million. The quickest money is football. Oh, uh, because you can after three years you can get a big dime deal, especially at quarterback. The quickest money for anybody is basketball. Because after your third year, your big contract, you can sign on a max contract. And at any position. Football is kind of slotted based on position. The second best money is football, the third best money is baseball. Um, because of your schedule of getting the money. You have to be good for so long to get your big payday. Um, so that's a you know, common misconception in my community. And in general, but especially in my community. Now, what does that do for a guy like Lamar Jackson? Lamar Jackson, again, is representing himself. He does not have an agent. He does not have representation. To me, that is biting him in the ass. Um, Usually, I don't curse, but I'm going to have to put the E on this episode. That's biting him in the ass. Um, He is, because he's not represented, for the first time in his career, and Shannon Shaw spoke about it, a couple other ex-players spoke about it. For the first time in his career, he's hearing what the organization thinks he does wrong. Think about it. Up until this point, it has been nothing but public praise and adulation for Lamar Jackson. He's been great here. He's done great. Oh, you're a great runner. You're a team leader. You're amazing in the community. You're this. He can't throw from the pocket. He just beat his team from the pocket. Well, not bad for a running back. Unanimous MVP. All the billboards. All the marketing. All the tickets. Or whatever. The, whatever. It's been everything has been Lamar Jackson and the Ravens organization since he took over for Joe Flacco at the, the, at the back half of his rookie year. Except when it comes to contract time. Because the team at that point is going to tell you reasons why they won't pay you this amount of money normally you're they would tell your agent or your lawyer or your representative 
you know, we don't think Lamar is that good. Really, we don't think Lamar is that good from the pocket. Look at his analytics. Um, man, that paying him that kind of guarantee money with that play style, you know, his high risk getting injured. We don't want to be held to the cap, etc. And then your agent will come to you and be like, yeah, we're still negotiating. We, we, you know, we got a number in mind. We got some language in mind. We want to hit. Once we get that done, we'll get it done. You will tell your agent back. Yeah, man, no problem. Appreciate you looking out for me. Um, da, 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 da. Let me know how it's going. I mean, y'all have banter back and forth, but your agent will never tell you, yeah, the, or they didn't think this, 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 and this. And that's why they won't. That's why they not offer you the money. Because there's no buffer, that's going directly to you. So you're looking like, whoa, 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 whoa. I thought I was this. I thought I was that. I thought I was this. You told me I was this, 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 and this. And now you're telling me, oh, I can't do this. I can't do that. I'm not that great here. I'm not as good as him over there. My play stopped me, get me injured, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, what happened? So I think for Lamar, that could be someone on a contract negotiations. For Baltimore, if I'm Baltimore, don't sign it. Hear me out. If I'm Baltimore, the cap's going to jump really soon. Lamar has this year the fifth-year option, I want to say, because he's older than Kyler. So I think he has this year the fifth-year option, and he's an unrestricted free agent Well, the franchise tags. I can have Lamar for three to four more years of team control. I believe he's now in the fifth-year option this year. I believe it's this year. Next year is the fifth-year option. Then the two reasonable franchise tags. I got Lamar Jackson for four more years of team control. His play style is risky. There is a high chance of injury. Why am I in a hurry? If he gets hurt, I don't have to pay him a long-term contract. If he doesn't, he's durable. I pay him a long-term contract in the end, and I kind of get a better balance of instead of trying to predict the salary cap number, I know the salary cap number, I know how it's going to affect us, I know how I can pay it. It's a win-win for the Ravens. They're in no hurry. For Lamar, you're playing the injury game. I don't, if he gets hurt with no deal on the table, the Ravens say, oh, well, buddy, you got hurt. Either take half the money or walk. Now you're in a bad situation. You see what I'm saying? Lamar, I know I get it. You don't want to give up money for your parents. You don't want to give up money to a representative outside your family. You've been dealing, you've had your mama's representation since draft day. If I remember correctly, the situation where they couldn't reach you to pick you, or they couldn't reach you to tell you they were picking you. Um, so, simply, in my in my opinion, hire an agent for the one deal. Go to a club sports, go to CAA, and say, hey, I need a guy to come in, look over this deal for me, get this deal signed. That's it, though. That's all I want you to work on is this deal. You're not my agent. You're more my representative for this contract. Or simply hire a lawyer. Look over the contract. You hear the numbers. You go what I'm looking for. Pretty much same situation. Get the deal done. You will get the 4% out of this contract. Thank you for your service. And that's it. You know what I'm saying? Like, just get the deal done, Lamar. You're playing a dangerous game. I don't like this for you. Um, get the situation done. Now you're adding weight as a clear sign of you're gonna run the ball. This is just a bad idea for you all the way around. Get the deal done, Lamar. Get long-term financial security. Deshaun Watson is going through his case, well, meandering through his case right now. The situation is over now. It's in deliberation as far as punishment. Uh, the most common figure I've heard is from anywhere from four to eight games. I don't see it going longer than eight games. Here's why. He's never had, he's never been criminally even, um, He's never even gone to trial criminally. Uh, all the every judge has has gotten criminal has thrown the case out. Um, he's you know so he's settled. There's 24 total cases. He's settled 20 
of them. The last four have not settled. Uh, the Houston Texans settled with everybody. They just got rid of the cases. Um, but Deshaun Watson has not settled with four of the accusers. Um, they still want to pursue civil cases with him. But like I said, he has not gone to trial for any of them. The judges have thrown them out when it comes to criminal. Um, and so what I'm thinking is four to eight games is going to be the suspension. If I'm the NFL, I make it a 25-game suspension. I said that a month ago. Make him pay back his salary from last season. He didn't play last season anyway. Make him pay his salary back from last season. That's 17 games. Sit him down eight games this year. 25 games spent. 25 game unpaid suspension. See, see you in week nine. And move on with it. 25 games a week. A week a game. A week a person. You know, a week of accusation. Sit him down. Um, 25 games unpaid. Like I said, make him pay back the salary from last year. See you in week nine. And move on. I mean, because at this point. Dragging it out is just causing more controversy. The faster you get a decision, the faster you can uh, deal with the negative PR, the faster you can begin to move on with your life if you are the NFL. And the NFL also altered uh, the uniform and helmet rules. And so now you're seeing 14 teams have debuted different new alternate helmets. Most of them have been black. Uh, Carolinas was black. The Saints is black. Uh... The Panthers is black. The Jets one is black. Chicago went with orange. Um, but the popular color was getting a black alternate helmet. Um, so that was pretty cool to see the NFL change the one helmet rule. So teams are utilized. The Bengals with the most unique one going with the white bingo, um, which, which is a uniform com- concept many fans wanted for years. Um, and so the team obliged by going with the white bingo concept um, helmet this season so kudos to the um, nfl for changing that rule and allowing them to get creative with their uniforms this season but up next we're going to shift to the mlb and talk about our best for last which is going to be how major league baseball can help itself Welcome back into the show, and now we're going to talk about quickly the MLB and how it could help itself. So Major League Baseball during All-Star Weekend allowed players to be mic'd up. They had great young players on display in the Home Run Derby. They had, you know, veteran guys in the All-Star Game. It was great for TV. They have a juggernaut right now, the New York Yankees, that are just flat out rolling people right now. And they're they're the biggest brand in baseball by far. The Dodgers are good. You know, you're dealing with historic things happening with Shohei Ohtani. And I believe baseball, in order to help itself, needs to give more of an all-star game feel. For instance, I love the clocks. Rob Manfred wants to put clocks in a lot of different things to speed up the game. Here's what Rob Manfred's dealing with. A basketball game is two and a half hours. A college football game, three and some change. NFL game is about three hours. A baseball game is more than that. And for a game with not as much action in it as any of those sports, think about it. Basketball is constantly moving. Football is America's sport. 
baseball is a slower pace, not as much movement sport, and with analytics, everything's either a strikeout or a jack to the outfield. There's not as much action. It's not base running. It's not stealing, etc. There's natural breaks with pitches and checking pitches and figuring out balls and strikes. Oh, I mean, there's so many natural breaks in it. Having clocks and saying a base, telling a baseball fan, okay, if you start watching the game at seven, you're gonna be done watching this game at 9:45, 10 o'clock, and go to sleep. Instead of man, this game could end up being 12:30, 1 a.m. You go to sleep on it. You wake up, your team loses, etc. Now you feel like you invested all this time in the game you lost. Having clocks. Putting runners on second base and the extra innings and all this other stuff. That is a great solution. I don't like now I would never um I would never suggest baseball do what they what the plan was for the with the all-star game uh overtime or extra innings, which was instead of putting a runner on second, home run derby, pick three players, home run derby, winner, um the winner gets the game. I would never do say that. But I would definitely, um, I definitely do like the addition of a pitch clock of you can only substitute pitches so many times, of limit, of reducing the number of mound visits, um, timeout rules, like all this other stuff to speed the game up. I'm a huge fan of Major League Baseball with that, especially because you got guys like Shohei Otani, uh, Mike Trout, the Yankees are rolling, the Mets are good. The Dodgers are good. The Giants can play a good ball. Like you got so many of your bigger brands and your bigger names performing well. Bringing it to the younger fan base with a faster game could be the difference um, between growing the sport and losing it in future generations. So baseball, get it together. But that is all we have for today. I hope you guys enjoy. Like I said, it's been about a month since the last time we talked. I wanted to give you guys a good recap and a catch up. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day and a great rest of your week. Uh, This is your host, Justin Jackson, signing out.